It's time for Cofield and Company's legal insider, Justin Watkins, on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. All right, here we go. Four o'clock hour. Sorry, I'm all muted. I'm very excited. I have to. I like to keep it low because I know where I'm going here. Damon is in the Finley Toyota Studios. Uh, Candy is with us today. Adam Candy. Justin Watkins is up here in just a second as he's in studio. We got a good 45 minutes with Justin, our legal insider and former public servant. Man, if he could get back into it, so many things he could save and speak out against, but uh, probably not going to happen. Hi, right, buddy. What's going on? Just a hot day in Vegas, getting ready. I'm skipping town tonight and be back tomorrow, though. Short, short, short trip. Uh, usually, your a lot of your trips are sports related. This one's probably not, is this it? This is not sports related. Not fun? No, it's fine. Okay. Just I do my routine medical checkups oh, down okay. in Phoenix. All right, all right. So well, good, good luck with that. Yeah. Hope you do well. Yeah, I don't even know sure. what that means. I don't Pass know why I said it. Flying that. colors. I don't know why I said it. Weird way to say it, right, Candy? Yeah, it, it's kind of like clarifying that you don't want to see children get injured. It's not something you necessarily need to say out loud. I mean, sure. Yeah. We can all have a, a laugh at a kid's expense. The kid's all right. The kid who got nailed in the face with the home run derby, he's good. He's good. Um, they sign a waiver when they go on the field, the kids shagging the fly balls? They must, right? Oh, I'm sure they do. Yeah. How, what is that like to be an MLB lawyer? And you're like, here, 12-year-old and parent, sign your life away. Well, you don't give it to the 12-year-old, right? You, you, It's the parents. Like, right. oh, you want your kids to participate? Here's our waiver. Yeah, good luck. Yep. It's like trampoline house. It's like the you know blow up house, all that stuff, right? Yeah. You're going to have a waiver before you go. So Candy and I were joking earlier, and I joke about this all the time, and it's annoying, especially when we deliver a dud of a show, which we won't today. This has been a good show so far, and uh, we guaranteed it with uh, Justin Book today. But we always joke that the day after the All-Star game, eh, a little bit slow, you know, sports talk radio, but we, we talk about everything else. So we're fine. Um, Thank you, ESPN.com, for holding the story because I'm sure it was done days ago. And they're like, hey, that's a day when you want to release stuff. Is that a day after the Major League Baseball All-Star game? There's no games. So they released a story about it's just more details, very in-depth on Goodell and Gruden getting axed and Snyder doing the setup. And then Snyder so cocky that he actually set himself up in the end. And guess what? All of it ain't over yet. Yeah, that's right. Well, and I mean, I think if there were the other owners not in the core four, you know, ownership group who doesn't know about all this stuff, they, you got to be thinking to yourself, I could be the next Davis, right? These guys are going to set me up to make me do, you know, make, make them my puppet master. And, uh, you know, I don't want to do that. You know, I have to say it makes Davis look a little weak. You know, he, he's not going to he's not going to fire Gruden. He's not going to fire Gruden. He gets on the call and they're like, hey, you need to do something. There's more mills coming. And he's like, oh, well, OK, then I guess I got to. So do you Gruden. think he should have held out? Yeah, I do. Really? In all that face, they in all the face out, of all that negativity. They all came out anyway. Well, yeah. I mean, if that's how he was so inclined. Right. I mean, that that's a whole different analysis. Like, would I have fired him or, or not is a, is, a, is a different analysis. I think a big part of that analysis is actually akin to the Fitzgerald situation in some ways. All of the conduct that they were talking about with Gruden was when he was not the coach of the Raiders. And I think that stuff matters. You know, if I'm firing you for the job that I have given to you, it it should be for conduct that you've done on that job 
or something that you misled me about in the way to, to getting the job. So if they had done some sort of questions in the interview or asked that had something to do here and it, and he lied about it, okay. But in this particular situation, he felt like he knew Gruden. He felt like he wasn't misled, and he wanted to stand up to the public scrutiny. I don't know that I would have made that same decision, but that's where he was at. And then one phone call, and Goodell's like, you got to do something. There's going to be more emails. I'd have been like, wait, wait a minute. How do you know there's going to be more emails? Mm. And what's the conduct, context of all of that? Mm-hmm. Like, where's all the other emails? Like, give it all to me so I can determine the context. Don't just trickle out the emails that you want in order to get me to do what you want. You know, I so I, I thought it made him look weak. Like, just a phone call of them saying you got to do something. Next thing you know, boom, he's fired. And at the time, the article talks about Dan Ventrelli, who was the president of the Raiders, who is an attorney, right? Yep. I mean, he, he had he had counsel uh, in many ways there that could help. And I guess the part that's interesting to me, Justin, is you said that unless Mark Davis felt like he had been misled, mm-hmm. and how much of that comes down to questioning the judgment of John Gruden in knowing what could be disqualifying? Well, it depends on what the questions were that are asked. Um, and, and the reason why I make that analysis is from a legal perspective, <clears throat> a wrongful termination action is going to, or a breach of contract, an employment contract action is going to be based on, hey, you asked these questions. I answered them truthfully. You, you gave me the, the particulars of how to perform this job. I adhered to them and you fired me anyway. So you owe me some money. Like you, you breached the contract, not me. And that's where it gets questionable to me on the Fitzgerald situation because he's there for 17 years and they just re-upped him two years ago. Mm -hmm. So are they really claiming that they didn't know anything about any of this stuff at any time before and that this whole football culture is a complete surprise Or is Fitzgerald going to be able to point to and say, what are you talking about? Over the course of 17 years, you know, these guys were out on the practice field with me. You know, this guy called for the the Shrek list. He named it. I don't know. I don't know. You know, 17 years is a lot of dead bodies to bury. You know, there's there's going to be some stuff. Like, I absolutely think that there is reason – for this to have been a termination in the first instance. It's more egg on the face of the administration than necessarily on Fitzgerald, certainly than on the players. But I also think that when you have a coach that's been there for 17 years, you you better prove that this these instances were current and outside of the norm of what you expected when you re-signed them. Like, the re-sign is, I expect you to change your behavior. Times are changing. Kids are changing. That you know What worked 17 years ago doesn't work today. We expect you to do these things. And he, Fitzgerald also noted, the president went back on our agreement. We agreed on a two-week suspension. So that tells me I have that they had a sit-down. Right. He, he, there was some sort of agreement that was reached. He wasn't going to fight it. And then he unilaterally 
broke that agreement. So I think he's probably got a pretty strong legal case, even though I don't think he's... I wouldn't be defending him in his actions. Legally speaking against the administration, I think he's got some claims. When you look at John Gruden's case, and we've obviously talked plenty uh, about Gruden's case in Nevada, did you see anything, Justin, in what came out from ESPN today that would in some way material affect whether Gruden has a better or worse case than he did before today? Oh, it's a much better case. Yeah. I mean, it's all, it's all there. The civil conspiracy, the breach with an, uh, an interference in contractual relationships, right? The contract is between Davis and Gruden. These guys absolutely colluded together in order to influence Davis to fire Gruden. That it, there's civil liability there. It's a civil conspiracy to interfere with Gruden's contractual um, relationship with his employer. So super stronger. Like, I mean, exhibit A, B, C, D. This is the the most powerful evidence we have, and and their they, their case is still going on. So he may even have more powerful evidence that they've found in discovery, and maybe that's how ESPN got some of this stuff in the first instance. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think he's got a pretty good case. Legal Insider Justin Watkins on Cofield and Company. He is with us every Wednesday. You can call Justin and Matt and the rest of the crew at Battleborn anywhere in the state of Nevada, 766-1400. Reno's in the house, so there is an office in Reno and Henderson and Las Vegas. Uh, just to stretch that out a little bit, um, I hate the term whataboutism, but I would think in certain cases, can you bring up, hey, my treatment versus this treatment, not consistent, seems to be – in some way stronger against me? Um, only typically if you're making a discrimination claim, right? And so in order to make a discrimination claim, you have to show that you're in a protected class and they treated you be differently because of the class of individual you were. Age, sexual orientation, race, religion, national origin, those types of things. Um, so I, I don't see that here. Uh, he's not... Well, well my, my, my biggest thing is... What about the rest of the emails? Like, right. are we ever going to see there's a, in this story? You it hits you again. We haven't seen all the emails, and there are comments from you know a source that says, "Hey, this could take down almost everyone in the league based on the kind of language they were using." There's that. There's lots of whataboutism, you know, in the way other people have been treated over time versus Gruden. It R just good. yeah, that wouldn't give you an in like an independent claim, it would be evidence that that those emails were used as a pretext. I mean, it wasn't the real reason right. why they wanted to take them down because if they were offended by that conduct, then we yeah. have all this information that shows that, in fact, they are not offended and they would have taken action there. So, yes, it's, it's relevant evidence, but it doesn't give rise to an independent claim to say, I was discriminated against because of the, the different treatment I received than they received. Now, I will hold back on one part. He probably does uh, qualify under a age-related claim. You know, on the federal level, it's anything over the age of 40, actually. Oh, I'm in. The, the, We're all in. No, yeah, 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 I'm in. Oh, 44. Okay, there you go. 44. So you, you, you can't qualify there, but I, I suspect that all these bad emails with all this you know colorful language mm -hmm. is a bunch of old white dudes so he's feeling just, comfy amongst each other to speak like that no no but i'm saying yeah gruden wouldn't be different than them 
So he oh, wouldn't have a discrimination okay. case because he's the same as them. All right. So it would require something different. What does it mean that the Gruden case is here in Nevada? The Nevada Supreme Court is handling this. Um, and follow up on that, if they rule for Gruden, the, will the NFL then go, okay, kick it up, kick it up, kick it up? Like, where could this end up? No, no. I think that the highest court that you're going to see this go in is the Nevada Supreme Court. Could they appeal to the United States Supreme Court? They could. But that would be amazing. I, I, I don't see that. Amazing. I don't see that happening. And the only way they would be able to go to the Nevada Supreme Court basically is on an argument that some constitutional rights were being violated or some federal question was being answered improperly in state court. And I really don't think they have that question here. Like I, their their only argument would be this is subject to arbitration, but that argument really falls flat in that this was not a contract between Gruden and the NFL. It was a contract between Gruden and the Raiders, and that contract specifically carved out and said, you have claims that can survive against the NFL and any of the, their officers and directors. So, I mean, Davis did smartly do Gruden because he was trying to defend Gruden. I'm not saying Gruden is defensible in what his actions were or what he's saying, but clearly Davis wanted Gruden to do well. He carved out claims that survived the resignation that are now hmm. being presented in state court, and I haven't seen that before. It's the first time. This hour is brought to you by Battleborn Injury Lawyers. Call them from anywhere in the state of Nevada, 766-1400-775 in the north. These are the guys to call, the entire crew at Battleborn Injury Lawyers, 766-1400. It's time for ESPN Las Vegas legal insider Justin Watkins. Only on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. All right, here we are on the uh, Wednesday. I forgot what day it is. Uh, Candy, you're with us. Uh, reminder, Candy, we're always switching the uh, video room, so we're in a different room now, so so behind-the-scenes stuff we'll do on the air. Justin Watkins is here. We have a lot more to get to with the Pat Fitzgerald thing because it's another case of hazing bullying maybe some racial stuff and you had mentioned something about some openings left there by Northwestern and its conduct and the way it's handled this I found another one of these guys uh you know kind of a TikTok lawyer you know I love TikTok who was screaming and yelling f-bombs all over the place and he mentioned something about a contract in the middle of this so this is really what I want to concentrate on but there's a, a path we'll take to get there if there's not a bigger slap in the face and a bigger example of how your employer will you if they think you need to be He's been the head coach there for 17 years. He's passed up other job opportunities to keep that job. Additionally, Fitzgerald has what's called an employment contract, where guess what? They're not even allowed to do this. So he's going to sue the out of them and probably get $20 million. Watch. Mark my words. All right. We're going to. Will he get $20 million? And what is an employment contract? And can you not be fired if you have an employment contract? He, he could get $20 million. Um, and an employment contract you know, is, is often misunderstood. A true employment contract is a contract in which the employee has rights and the employer has rights. Those rights would be, you know, I'm going to receive payment. Here's the scope of the work that I'm going to perform. If there, you know, is something wrong with my work, typically it's going to be you have you know, a right to warn me or give me notice. I have 10 days to correct. Um, if I correct the conduct, we continue on. If not, then you could fire me for cause. Meaning there are employee rights for 
the employee so that they cannot just be fired at will. Like Nevada is an at will employment state. Lots of people, the only reason I give that description is because lots of people have what they is titled an employment agreement, but really is just terms of employment. You will continue to work at our leisure, at our you know granting. We could fire you at any time because it's at will employment. So they have this employment contract that right at the, I mean they have this employment agreement that right at the top says at will employment. Well, that means you could be fired at any time. So really, it's just a term sheet, for for lack of a better word. Okay, be sports talk host, be me. So you know, off the hook idiot sometimes. I'll judge things early. I always try to frame it with the legal part of it. You know, that's what I was thinking with Northwestern and, and hesitating before they fired him and all that. Um, when you read the story, when you were an athlete, wrestling's tough. You know, and you're you know you were a pretty high level high school wrestler. It can be tough, and I'm sure the motivation you know they, it can get pretty rough. When you read the allegations, what do you think? Because we've got a he said he said where they're you know current players are backing them, some former players are backing them, eleven players. We're part of the story, former players. Ten more corroborated the allegations. This, your instincts, what do you think? I don't think that stuff's needed for motivation. You either got a kid that's motivated or you, or you don't. Um, yeah. the, the, like, I'll say this. I do believe that the definition of hazing and bullying has really broadened in the last ten years into areas that I don't necessarily think are hazing or bullying. Like, I got a 13-year-old and 11-year-old, and they'll be like, oh, this kid was bullying me, and I'm like, okay, what was what happened? And then they just say, like, you know, said I was a poo-poo head or something. You know, it's something more than that, but it's it's mm-hmm. sort of just what I consider sort of kids being kids and a little bit of innocent banter. Right. Um, so I, I do think we've we've broadened that a little much for me. Maybe I'm just showing my age there, but the the you know the real hazing in order to get somebody motivated. I just don't. I just don't think that that works. I think the research backs it up that that doesn't really work. You either got a kid who's motivated or not. Um, I agree with Candy. Like, yeah, have I done suicides? Have I thrown up for, you know, overexertion? Yes. Was I ever denied water? Was I ever denied like care? If I would have said, you know, like I, I can't, you know, would would somebody have humped me? Uh, you know, no, no, and I don't. Nor do I think that that would have made me any better of an athlete had had that been my experience. Maybe this is just a part of the court of public opinion, but how much does performance come into a termination like this where the team went 1-11? and 11, And maybe that shouldn't be that big of a deal, but when it comes to, let's say, a justified termination, if there are any, like, any hint of truth to these allegations, yeah, that and the fact that you stunk last year, the team should be justified like just f- from the get-go of letting them go, right? I actually think it's the opposite. So the fact that I went 1-10 as a coach last year, I'm going to say you're using this as a pretext to fire me for the one in 10 season. I have a 10 year contract. We're two years in, you've got buyer's remorse. Now you're trying to fire me and you looked for any reason to get it. And you conjured up this stuff, maybe from a whole bunch of years prior on a previous contract contract. And you don't have any solid evidence that it's happening now. Beyond Pat Fitzgerald, I have a question for you that comes out of what we're hearing about the newest with John Morant today, Justin, where we're still dealing with the suit that he has involving the 17-year-old kid at his house who allegedly uh, Ja pulled a gun on, allegedly uh, was knocked out, etc. And there is talk that he might try to claim self-defense. And I'm curious to know from, from your perspective here, 
we're obviously talking about a different state when it comes to Tennessee, but what sort of evidence, what sort of proof would John Morant have to come up with when it comes to this particular situation to be able to say, I was acting in self-defense when I took these actions against this kid? I mean, you're going to look at the totality of the circumstances, right? I mean, Tennessee is a stand-your-ground state, so if he's being threatened with bodily injury within his own home, he has the right to protect himself and his property with deadly force. Tennessee is one of those states. Nevada is one of those states. Now, it's his house. I'm assuming he's got a bunch of his people around, and this kid's 17 years old. I don't know what kind of frame he's got, and I don't know what kind of build he's got, and I don't know if he's got any weapons on him. All of those things are things I would consider if I'm the DA deciding whether or not to move forward with the charges and you know how I'm going to present this to a jury in order to defeat the defense of self-defense. Because when somebody asserts self-defense, it puts the onus back on the DA's office to prove that it wasn't self-defense. And so they have to have their ducks in a row in their story. So age, frame, familiarity, who Jaw had around with him, you know, um, weapons, not weapons, uh, all that stuff is going to be important to me. Justin Watkins, legal insider, former public servant, 766-1400 is the number of battleborn injury lawyers. I'm going to put you on the spot in a couple of minutes, so think about it while you're answering. No, but on um, one more NFL story, because uh, we got the news yesterday about Alvin Kamara, but we'll, we'll get to that. Yeah. Um, Really, I think a really interesting story for our male listeners. Out of Florida, Ron DeSantis. Sorry, I was thinking of all the nicknames that Trump has for him, but I'll just go with Ron DeSantis. Is trying to end permanent alimony. I didn't even know this was the case, but I've never been married, so I've never had to worry about it. What exactly is happening in Florida? Because I also saw the reaction from a lot of older women who have a fixed income. This is the money they've been getting. Now it's not coming. Now they're mad. Now they want to switch parties. They're outraged. You're putting them out on the street. What is DeSantis doing here? So don't, don't he, laugh. Well, it's, it's a really, it is a really, I mean, yeah, it affects, no. it's a state with all these retirees. And I'm sure you have a lot of women who are like, hey, I haven't worked it, in forever. I have alimony. Let's go. Keep it coming. <laughs> and you got the guy on the other side. I've been working forever. I'm 87 years old. Well, Can I retire? That's but, what it was. Yeah, the, right. the, a lot of the guys are like, hey, but at least have a correction. I don't make the money I used to make. Now yep. you're making me poor. Yep. Well, I, I wasn't laughing because of these ladies. I'm laughing because anytime I stick my toe into family waters, I yeah. get myself in trouble. You know, I I know just enough to know that I never want to practice in family <laughs> law, right? And so I'll, I'll say this. Um, every state has very unique rules and laws as it goes to divorce um, and the separation of property. You know, you know, out west, you have community property and and separate property and the community property is what gets divided that gets divided 50 50 you get to hold on to your separate property and alimony can be attached and generally speaking it's going to be based on the years of the marriage um sort of kind of like a, a half amount of the years of the marriage you've been married 20 years you have 10 years of alimony but it's largely up to a judge and a jury and what the parties can can negotiate between themselves if they can get it get it done now I'm, I'm sympathetic to both sort of sides on this issue because you have some women now who are probably too old to ever go back to work. They live on a fixed income that includes alimony that they were awarded for the rest of their life, and it may be taken away from them. Um, on the flip side of it, I'm also 
you know, uh, sympathetic to the men who say, yeah, she's 87 and on a fixed income. I'm 87 and I still work because I can't afford to not work and pay her alimony. Her alimony's you know, too high. The cost of living so high. I can't, I can't do both. So I have to continue to work. You know, I'm, I'm over here driving Uber at 87 years old. I'm sympathetic to that too. And what I'll say is this bill in Florida, which allowed for, you know, the existing law allows for lifetime alimony. There had been several attempts in the past to remove this from the statutes and, and end lifetime alimony. This bill does not necessarily completely end it. It gives the court a lot of guidance and factors in order for them to determine whether or not alimony should continue. And so, and really it codified existing law in, in a previous court case. So while I get that there's uproar about it, like a lot of things in politics, the actual implication of right. it is not going to be online with these, with, with, you know, what you're hearing in the commentary nationwide. Let's do a giveaway here. Three, six, four, 1100. Caller seven. Win them before you can buy them. Tomorrow, the tickets go on sale at 10 a.m. at Ticketmaster.com. What's it for? Dita Von Teese has a new Vegas residency. She's got a burlesque show, Dita Las Vegas. It opens in October at the Jubilee Theater at the Horseshoe Las Vegas. 10 a.m. tomorrow. Tickets go on sale. But we've got two tickets right now. Demond does at 364-1100-364-1100. Caller number seven. On the way back, I will remember. I will remember to ask this. I will not get distracted during the break. So I punched myself a couple times. You know, we had the news the other day. Actually, yesterday. Alvin Kamara agreed to plead no contest to misdemeanor charge of breach of the peace for the beating outside Dre's. He'll do community service. He'll pay $100,000 to the victim for medical bills. All right, Gridell, what say you? Will the NFL do anything? And Justin will tell us if they should. It's time for ESPN Las Vegas legal insider Justin Watkins. Only on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. Justin is here. All right, Justin, react to uh, my comments about Alvin Kamara yesterday uh, pleading no contest. $100,000 goes to the victim. Will Raj just stay idle? As I think most of the time you believe that they, the NFL should keep their beak out of situations like this. Can he? Will he? Especially based on precedent. Oh, I think he should. This is Ooh, so okay. my press. You know, my rule of thumb is unless you're aware that it's a, a a crime of physical nature, which this was, that you suspend until you have the final facts. He has pled no contest. In the no contest pleading are the established facts. He's agreed to pay for the medical expenses of the person. I have a video I can watch of it. It's absolutely a crime of, of physical nature, of physical abuse, of assault. Yeah, I would, abs- I would absolutely suspend. You have more than enough. When it comes to people who get all excited about, but what about this suspension? Because it was this many games. But what about this situation where they didn't do anything about it? Does any of that really matter in the situation of the NFL? Could anyone ever really complain in the court system and talk about Ray Rice got two games, Tom Brady got four games, et cetera, et cetera. Does precedent matter at all? 100% it does, yeah, because, I mean, think about Bounty Gate, right? I mean, they go to federal court, and precedent was used all throughout their briefing there to say that this is unjust, it's uh, out of line 
with what the players would expect a penalty to be for this level of um, violation, if there even is a violation. And that is that absolutely is part of the analysis because the only way you can overturn an arbitrator's ruling is if there's been an abuse of the discretion. And <clears throat> if they're going above and beyond all precedent in instilling a penalty, then you're going to say that's an abuse of discretion. Come on, I know this is a question you had yesterday. You remember what you wanted to ask? Because I have it in front of me. You were talking about protecting a celebrity. And at what point does it cross the line? Yes, what point does it cross the line for? It's just, hey, excuse me, I'm just trying to get a picture to, I've got to defend my client. How do we know that some of the people that were, you know, putting the boots on this man, that they weren't his personal security team and they were just trying to protect Alvin Kamara? Yeah, I mean, that's always going to be the question. I mean, mean, let's talk about Britney Spears, right? Britney Spears gets slapped. Because she goes to touch, you know, a person to to say, "Hey, what's up? I'm Brittany," <laughs> you know. <laughs> and uh, what you know, my wife was talking to me about that one. And I think that one's interesting because Brittany is a celebrity, so she is an expert on what it's like to be and live as a celebrity, and when you get touched, and what a threatening touch would feel like, and what it wouldn't. So she would be uniquely positioned to say. What I did is completely appropriate and completely within the realms of any celebrity that anybody's ever been around. I've been a celebrity my entire life, and this stuff happens a million times a day. And so the reaction was out of line with what should be customary. Going back to Alvin Kamara, yeah, that's always going to be their defense is like, hey, you're in his space. You're coming at him. He's got a right to defend himself. But celebrities don't get in an enlarged space. Right. You know, everybody's personal space is everybody's personal space. They don't get to add to their space and say, well, because I'm a celebrity, my space is 10 people's worth of space. Hmm. So you come in there. Now you've engaged in my celebrity space. And I'm going to. Well, it's funny. Know, it seems like that. I know. Right. Right. But in the eyes of the law, that's not true. The freaking tsunami. Yeah, I mean, exactly. Adam Hill is one thing. If he walks through a crowd, he's the tsunami, you know. But yeah. you don't get to have 10 people and then go 40 feet wide. Um, last one, we got like 20 seconds. Uh, viral rage yesterday was Mark Zuckerberg. Uh, Moobs Musk wants to uh, – you challenge them. By the way, Moobs were man boobs. Um, Zuckerberg's all ripped up. He looks like a guy who's in the gym grappling and doing jujitsu. So, bad matchup. Let, let's bad. get out of this and yeah. let's not giving them their 15 minutes of fame on this. Yeah, Zuck wins – 30-second tap out. Right. <laughs> I mean, Musk has got no credibility to be talking about anything of I actually nature. think Zuckerberg could just circle an octagon for like three minutes, and Zuckerberg, uh, sorry, Musk would just fall over. Yeah, that's right. Like, I don't yeah. think people realize when you fight, oof, controlling it. I'm not listening to anything Musk has got to say on anything health. Not food, not exercise, nothing. <laughs> that guy's got nothing going from him from a health standpoint. Justin, thank you. Appreciate it. We're back in just a couple. We watched the MLB All-Star game, or did we? Cofield and Company, live on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. Deb Reno in the house. Candy in the house. Come on, here. It's Cofield. Change there. No reason. No reason at all. Uh, Candy, when you saw the Alvin Kamara news, what were your first thoughts about... Uh, you know, settlement. There still is there. There was a civil claim for ten million dollars, and that is. I don't think you know that's going to be uh, NDA stuff. So I don't know how much he paid to this dude. I know publicly they said hundred thousand dollars for his injuries. What do you think of what I was asking 
Justin Watkins on how Goodell should handle this because I've mentioned it throughout the summer. Like all these people who are hot and heavy nationally about Derek Carr and the Saints and Saints odds for that division are completely out of control. Uh, and everyone was ignoring because this story never really got out. Everyone was ignoring like Alvin Kamara may not be playing for whatever two, three, six games that kind of affects the over under uh, for wins and their season hopes. Well, this is going to be really interesting to me, Steve, in light of gambling suspensions, because we're about to get into the <laughs> yep. big question yep. of, I'm sorry, did you send Jamison Williams to the sideline for six games for betting in a team hotel on a college game, but you gave Alvin Kamara three for stomping a dude out in a hallway? Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. There's never a wrong time. To start doing the right thing if you're Raj. And today, right now, probably a really good time to do that. So Candy hasn't been on the show in a while. He's been doing a lot of stuff with the Press Box. Wonderful morning show that we have here on ESPN Las Vegas. And you've done a great job on that show. Are you on tomorrow on Friday? Uh, tomorrow and Friday, I'll be, I'll be hosting the Press Box along Ooh. with our very own Magnum. Okay, all right. Three hours of hockey talk and Jets. Okay. Should be good. <laughs> Should be good now. So pretty much this. No, I have no idea what you guys have planned. Actually, Chris is very well-versed in lots of sports, and he certainly is going to talk about uh, something on the continent of Asia for at least half an hour. Uh, I kid because I care. So, you made a statement that I brought up to, I think, every other host, and I can't remember exactly what you said, but I'm going to twist it and uh, probably misuse good. it just to set you up here. All right. Uh, so don't scream yeah. like Willie does because it's all for effect. Um, we Oh, we were talking about the Reds, and you mentioned a player on the Reds who was playing, and you're like, uh, like I don't even know who this guy is, and if I don't know who he is on this show, no one knows because I follow the sport closer than anyone. And I, we, were in a, we were in a hurry, so I was like, I'm not going to debate you on baseball knowledge, and I'm not saying I'm more knowledgeable than you. But I just want to tell the audience, I say it all the time, just because we whine, it's not really whining, just because we have been ripping legitimately the A's and the organization that they are. And we love the aviators, you know, all the guys there. I want them all up. That's what I don't get about the A's. Like, play the young guys. Um, this show actually is, most of us, into baseball a little more than you think because we all play fantasy baseball and we all bet. So I just want to set it up that way because I want to ask you, you're the king of baseball on Cofield & Company. How much of the clearly? How much of the MLB All Star Game did you watch last night? I watched eight innings Ooh. of the Major League Baseball All Star Game last night. Stephen Cofield. Son I watched of, eight uh, innings of that Major League Baseball game, and I didn't really enjoy it. <laughs> oh, really? I really didn't. It, oh, it, God, it was so slow. It was, it, <laughs> yeah. It, it, it's he loves it's really just it's taken the turn here where yep. the problems with the rest of baseball are so evident in the in the all-star game. First of all, interleague play killed the intrigue of seeing these guys go against each other. And yep. secondly, thank you, Bob Costas. The fact that we essentially get in one new pitcher every inning, yep. it's like watching Tampa Bay Rays games over and over again. Bullpen game after bullpen game. 18 different guys throwing 100 miles an hour and an absolute miracle if someone puts the bat on the ball. Which which I love that point so much. I'm going to bring up a, a – I don't know why I do this because I go off on these tangents and it's just annoying. But um, I don't know if you saw it a few weeks ago, but um, Rod Carew got into it with some fans about uh, hitting for average. Like 
Because my claim would be that what uh, Arias is doing now, hitting whatever he's at, 385, is more impressive than any other era because of what you just said. Because you get a fresh arm from the fifth inning on, and a lot of times it's just 94, 97, 100, 97. Like, everyone throws hard, come out of the bullpen, it's all angles, different style of pitching, freaking different specialty pitches. Like, it's hard to hit now. So then you... Talk about the All-Star game. It means almost every time the game is going to go under unless there's one reliever who just freaking blows up. So it changes it to this, you know, 3-2-2-1 fest. There's not going to be a ton of home runs in the game. Now, that's not why I didn't watch. I Honestly, I haven't watched, I don't think, since like 2014. I, I think I said 15 years on our notes. It probably is the last time. And um, I've said this in the past. Like, uh, you know, I was doing a, a lot of stuff for SiriusXM you know, doing some Mad Dog Radio and at the time Bleacher Report Radio. And that was one of my topics one weekend. I'll never forget it because I my topic was, are you going to watch the All-Star game? Because I do not care. And people were like, because it, <gasps> in in that case, especially on Mad Dog Radio, it, it's so New York attitude based with phone calls and they love baseball in regional pockets. And they're like, do your job. And I'm like, it is my job. I don't think most people care about the All-Star game and especially young people care about the All-Star game. Young person on the show. Wordle. What is it called again? Immaculate Grid. Immaculate, immaculate grid. grid. Oh, no, I'm big. Don't, dis- don't disrespect oh Immaculate my God. Grid. Hey, oh, here hey, we go. I'm going to leave. God Candy, God. let's go, man. I've been playing for about a good three weeks strong here. I've only been Immaculate about uh, three or four times. It's taken over my life. What about you? Oh, oh, I found this about three days ago, and then I started finding the other sports, yeah. too, where it was like football and basketball, and I hope to God my company does not track my internet usage because I have oh, yeah. to say at least half of my day has been spent trying to fill in these stupid grids, but I love them. Yesterday, I was immaculate around 1230. I'm clearly on the clock, and you know, <laughs> the bosses around here are also on social media because they also work in the industry, and I was like, uh... I wonder if anyone's going to notice if I tweet out my grid because I was so proud of myself. Dude, you got to schedule that stuff. You got to schedule it. I don't, you know what? If you schedule it for like 335 on this show, it's perfect. Because then every once in a while I'll be like, you're playing Immaculate Grid again during the show. Don't, don't do it. Don't do it early. So the question is, young person, because I just said, you know, doing sports talk radio over the years, I'm like, I don't think a lot of young people watch the All-Star game. I don't think they watch most All-Star games. I think the NBA All-Star game is the most popular and I know a lot of people are driving off the road right now because they don't like the NBA. Did you watch the All-Star game? Did you put in eight innings like Andy? I did not put in eight innings. I put in the most important one, the last one. And okay. <laughs> I, I thought that the ending was great. You had Rodriguez, the hometown player, coming up. He could be the hero, gets walked. You know, Craig Kimball on the mound. I thought that was at least entertaining. There gave you some drama. I mean, when Rodriguez came up to the plate, you know, the crowd stood to their feet. I think the crowd there was enjoying it. And I think that that was like the, hey, this is the perfect storybook ending that they presented for you as a fan. They gave you what you would have wanted to have watched in that last inning. So, I mean, baseball can only do so much to bring in the eyeballs. I think that this this game was also a record low in viewership. But... Baseball gave you like that at least dramatic ending that you could hope for. Candy, what was the gonna, what was the, you just said it was boring, but what was the most scintillating angle that you got out of the game? There has to be something. Well, first, oh, well, yeah, and yeah. I'm going to tell you about it in a second. But first, I'm going to save Major League Baseball. You ready? I'm going to save the All Star game. We're gonna, we have two different ways of doing it. You want to keep the actual game, which I don't think we should do. But if you're going to keep the actual game, you got to swing within the first three pitches. We got to get this thing moving. I don't want to see a 10-pitch at bat. Oh, another foul ball by Freddie Freeman. Making the fans happy. Boy, what an at bat. I don't care. Swing the bat. 
Yeah. And I think if we do that, we're going to get more at-bats or we're going to finish the thing quicker. Because the reason I only watched eight innings was because when we reached roughly eight o'clock, I was like, Ugh, Trader Joe's closes at nine. <laughs> I got to get my shopping in. I'm not going to stay if this thing runs out till the end. Yeah. Oh, by the way, here's the way we're really going to save this. If it does run out till the end, what do they do now? They do a home run derby. The only thing mm. that matters at all in any all-star game, in all of the four major sports, I'm including the dunk contest, I'm including any skills competition you want to include. The home run derby is the only thing that people care about anymore. It's wow. the only event that people will tune in for, for the whole thing. So I think the entire All-Star Weekend should be one big home run derby. We're going to turn it into a 24-person competition. We're going to do it over multiple days. It's a marathon. And we are going to do nothing but home runs. You are going to puke from how many home runs you have consumed over the course of All-Star Weekend. But you know what? It's all we really care about. Mm -hmm. It's all we really want to see. We want to see contact with the ball, and we want to see it go a long damn way. So you ask me what was the most scintillating moment? It was 30-something-year-old Elias Diaz getting into his first All-Star game, mostly because of the ridiculous rule that requires someone from every team to be on the All-Star oh, team. All -Star. But hey, he got to be the hero of the game. He hit a home run off Felix Bautista, who is one of these absolute monsters who comes out of the bullpen at seven foot nine, 500 pounds, throwing 103 miles an hour with a 104-mile-an-hour splitter. And somehow the guy hits a home run off him, and he gets to run around the bases smiling, happy, doing something he'll never get to do again in his life. That was scintillating because it was a home run. That's what we want to see. Let me tell you about my fantasy teams. And, uh, oh no, my God! Show me your vacation pictures. The my Show, scouting. Gotta, no, tell me about your brackets. My scouting. Oh, okay, I was kidding. Um, in baseball, as people know, because y'all listen, y'all hang on every word we say here. Um, I like angst. I like heat. So it's going to sound pretty familiar with what I liked. First of all, the Seattle crowd chanting, "We want Otani." Come on, <laughs> that is. I mean, that's it's baseball. I mean, is it baseball's nightmare? I guess probably not, because they want a free agent derby bonanza going on. So I thought that was awesome. The Seattle crowd booing over and over and over again. Anything connected to the Houston Astros is dynamite. Even booing guys who weren't on the teams that allegedly cheated. How awesome is that? They are the enemy of everyone in baseball. I hope Tyler Bischoff is listening wherever in California he is right now. I hope he heard every oh word God. of that. About These Astros fans, so, Astros. so low character. I mean, you're indicting so, oh, yourself oh, by yeah. continuing to root for these dirtbags. No, I, I have to spend an entire week on the radio uh, with him next week, and and uh, frankly, I'm I might have to I might have to throw up. Now I'm I'm tongue in cheek on the those dirtbags and cheating because you realize there is not a market in the country that should be getting on any other organization for cheating, and especially when it comes to steroids. Does everyone realize every team had guys using? Every team. So, like, oh, the Giants and Bonds. I saw a, a sports talk radio host in H-Town, Patrick Creighton, who I like. He's good. He serves the pot. And he was talking about the Seattle fans, and, you know, they, they harbored the biggest cheater in the history of the game. And he never named who it was, but I suppose it was Alex Rodriguez. And I started to think back. To when the Astros got good candy and had a run from, you know, 94 through, say, 2006, 2007. Do you remember a lot of the names on that team? 
that's the Killer Bees era. Yeah. When yeah. we start talking about guys like Jeff Bagwell, yeah. we're to have a feeling that's where you're headed. Yeah. You remember anything that kind of stuck out with a lot of their players and how, boy, oh, boy, their power numbers. Man, they, their hitting coaches must have been unbelievable to, to, to really pick up the power, pull it out of those bodies. It's funny, uh, Astros fans are going to sit there and talk trash on, on Mariner fans because of Alex Rodriguez. Seriously? Really? For Astros fans, for real Astros fans, Bagwell with, what, 440-something home runs, four homers at AAA in his last year at AAA before he got traded. Anyone remember little skinny Steve Finley all of a sudden? 30 bombs. Let's go even further back to the 80s. How many pitchers do they have come up and they're like, wow, they really resurrected their career at 28 years old? Because it ain't just a hitter's candy. Mike Scott was ne- Mike Scott was unreal for like three years and then went bye-bye. I'll, I'll give you some more names where you're like, whoa, I don't know if that's the market and those fans should be pointing the finger.